Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Mauda Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my saint of a wife. Am I? You're no, today saint. I'm a saint. No, my love, you're a saint. You really are. Uh, I figure like if... Go back a few episodes, guys, when he doesn't even give me an adjective. She, oh, I'm just she... I didn't even get an adjective. She didn't get day. an adjective one day because I was angry and I I don't even I remember also, why, honestly. I was angry. That's how much it Part of it was anger at you, I think, at the time. No, it was that day that you were just having the worst day. Yeah. Well, regardless, the reason why I said that you're a saint is because I figure like if I can be um, as much of a psychopath as I am sometimes, which I am, guys, I I am. I still am. I mean, I know that I portray myself as this like Zen master on Instagram. We're doing all these things because we have to or we will be insane. Yeah. And and like Maura, (laughs) unfortunately, gets the lion's share of my aggression. I guess it's even. So I figure, you know what? Let me make up for it by telling the world that you're saint thank you and that i love I'm glad you. that they know that they know that now i love you so much my love, love. You too. i hate disappointing you and every <laughs> and, you know I, I i do i i hate disappointing you so um i love you and uh i can't guarantee that tomorrow when you wake up i'm not gonna be a psychopath again um waiting on my freaking sauna to come back because you oh know how important gosh, that is for me so uh yeah i have some issues with the sauna and i haven't been doing so he hasn't been able to meditate and well i've been meditating but it's just not the same you know i only do 10 minutes at a time depend on that, i know like you can't depend on it i know carlos is gonna, gonna have something to say about yeah depending yeah I, on things. hey carlos i gave it to him this morning i'm like pero i get that you want to do it but why you can't you can't depend on it. What if you're traveling? Like, I know, if there's no, no sauna, then there's no meditation. I totally get that. But what I was saying <laughs> to her is that I get it, but that's what I want. Right. That's right, what I want. Right. And that's what and I want to do. And that's like, right. That's like Danny's babe, uh, child, Danny. Yeah, that's my <laughs> like little, my inner, inner child. child coming out. Like, I want. All right. That's but okay. I want, We all do it. Yeah. We're all guilty. Yeah. We all have <laughs> our little, our little things that we, that we our like quirks. and that we depend on. But um, I want to introduce our guest to you because this is a very good friend of mine, a, a good friend of Maura's. Um, we've been friends for three years now. Uh, we've had him multiple times on the Ketogenic Athlete podcast, and this is the first time we have him on. Um, this week's guest is Carlos Donis. Carlos was born in Chicago, Illinois, and currently resides in L.A., After finishing his enlistment in the U.S. Marine Corps, Carlos found himself out of shape and bored to tears, so he decided to start running again, something he did a lot of in his youth and during his military service. But it wasn't enough for him to just run. He had to do something that challenged him, forced him to prove himself capable of achieving something that most people would never be able to do. And he decided to run ridiculously long races. Carlos has participated in multiple endurance events over the past 20 years, including 50-mile runs, 100-mile runs, multiple-day nonstop events, such as his most recent race, the Grand to Grand. Well, that wasn't a recent race. That was, that was a few years back now. Um, but it was 170 miles, seven days, and six stages across the Utah desert in September of 2015. And he did it all while keto. After deciding that he needed to find a better way, he got together with Vinny Tortorich and Vinny reached him or he coached him on his nutrition. Carlos says that he would never have been able to finish the race if he wasn't ketogenic. Today, we're going to talk about his mindset, his training, and the way he feels for these events. Welcome to the show, 
Carlos Dones. What's up, brother? What's going on, Danny? How are you? Maura, how are you guys? We're doing so good. So good to have you on finally. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, I just want to acknowledge you guys because you guys are amazing. And um, I know that uh, both of you guys can be a little psychopathic at one point. <laughs> so sure. you guys, because you, I got to defend my boy here, but you guys are amazing. I love the love that you guys have for each other. And um, it's just so, really nice to hear that you guys are really, uh, you know, you guys love each other. You support each other. And, and I know it's not easy uh, being in a, a marriage where you guys both are seeing each other all the time. So I admire that, and I just want to congratulate you on that. Thank you, bro. Thank you so much. We yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, we 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 get stressed. You know, yesterday I straight yeah, up had in the morning, like I had what I think was the first ever panic attack I've ever had in my life. <laughs> what is it ended with me crying. Um, you I had mean, no sleep. Uh, no sleep. You know, six hour late flight. I mean, yeah. And then Maura, like in the morning, flight. the minute we woke up, she started telling me all the things that I needed to do, and I I kept on saying, mm. "Just please stop, please stop," and she wouldn't stop. And then I finally, I'm like, no, but this is my time. Got to the the this point. Is the only time. Yeah, I mean, just even <laughs> just describing it, it, just I'm thinking about like how I felt, and I'm like, holy crap! Like I'm getting the anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's true. It's a hundred percent true. Like we're always together, and then yeah. what makes it worse is that we're together with the kids all the time. So yes, like we can't have conversations. Like we have to yeah, escape to like the bathroom stress. every night to have conversations, mm. and like and you know they knock on the door. I'm like. God. They knock on the door. They unlock the door with knives. Oh, they like, unlock it with knives. I'm like, dude, we need a dead bull. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I, I was witness to that. Remember when I went to go visit you guys? We yeah. Went to go eat. Oh and, yeah. Um, that was interesting. I gotta say that was interesting. But it was nice watching you guys work as a team, and it was. Uh, <laughs> I was impressed, man. I was really, thank I was you, really bro. impressed because, you know, there, it was, it was, it was, I got to I'm not going to lie to you. I was having a hard time. I'm like, how do they do this? And, yeah. But man, wow, and the boys are, di- and the boys are a little different too. Cause you have your girls, but man, and I'm, I come from a girl family. Eight and five year old yeah, boys. Yeah, it was literally just me, Ooh. my mom and my sister. So wow. I'm in like shock half the time. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, I don't, I was not like this. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I just want to color in my coloring book. I'm like, can I just, can you guys these, color? Yeah, these kids are like, wrestling. you know, yeah. And everything. Yeah. They're either play fighting or fighting. Or real fighting, right. And mm. like, even if they're having fun and playing. It's still it's like dangerous and it's still Dangerous and loud. Yeah, and loud, right? Mm. Yeah. But, that's <laughs> but, uh, great, but we I, love it. I, we love having them home. It's fine. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I have, I, I know that relationship because I have a brother of mine and we used to play fight and fight. And, oh my gosh. But, but now he and I are like uh, oh, yeah. great friends and. You know, he's just a good, such a good guy to have. You can always call him and count on him and, and he'll listen to you. And, you know, one thing about my brother, he has zero judgment. I mean, oh, I love zero it. judgment. That's no, nice. he, he loves me with no conditions. And, and that's a true friend right there. I know. And that's what I know that I know my boys have and that. And we try and to cultivate so, that. And we like always we, definitely foster that and cultivate yeah, it. Yeah, like we, we always have them, give them opportunities to help each other. Like every single time one yeah, like needs anything, something, we have the other one do it for it them. Get it for them, right. And, that's nice. you know, when, whenever they, they rat on each other, like we're like, we get pissed off at the person <laughs> I'm like, who I rats. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I'm like, how yeah. dare you? I'm like, this is not my problem. You are not going to have someone there for you when you have a problem when you grow up. So you need to mm. fix this. Go handle this. I don't care. You have the freedom. Enjoy the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's empowering. Like, like be grateful for it. Go, mm-hmm. go, go, go do something. Go hurt each other and know mm. that there's no consequences. That's awesome. <laughs> 
that's way way different than when we grew up. I'm of sure. course, bro. Un chancletazo, yeah. like for even that's a bad right. word. Like, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was bad when I was growing up. Bro, me too. My yeah, gosh, yeah, it, was not, it was not easy. We didn't have that freedom. <laughs> no, me either, bro. I mean, I did have the freedom to play outside and everything, but mm -hmm. as far as like, if I would have said some of the things that I've caught my boy saying, bro, mm. the tapaboca that would have resulted, mm. and yes. yeah, it would have been instant, instant. And I'm like, man, one of these days I'm gonna give you a tapaboca so you really understand like what it's like to 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 make a very big mistake and mm. get checked immediately because in life well maybe not mm -hmm. nowadays because nowadays like you know everybody's online and nobody nobody really uh punches you for what you say like people can get mm. away with anything right. but yeah but yes. if you if you cross the wrong person and you do something you will get checked so you know mm -hmm. have a healthy respect for that and a healthy fear for that yes yes amen to that Love it. Well, we always lead off with the question, what is the most critical problem you are currently trying to solve? You know, that I, I, I've been thinking about this question because I know you always guys ask this question. So I'm, I'm going to say that, that the problem that I, I would love to solve, and, and I think that I think it's the whole community, the keto community, the, uh, even the paleo and no sugar, no grains, right, Vinny, is I think it's just controlling people. Or not, well, we're not trying to control them, but, or teach them how to eat. Because what I'm seeing is, especially in California, you would think California is like a healthy place, but people are just walking around with massive amounts of overweight, like 50, 60, 70 pounds. And here's the issue is that people think that that's normal now. They think that walking around with 30, 40, 50 pounds is normal because they're looking like everybody else. And I, I think that's the biggest issue that I, I would love to solve is to change the mindset of what normal is. Bro, that is such a good answer, man. Like you, you hit on a problem that's like that's so prevalent right now nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like I, I right off the bat, I'm thinking of so many things that the medical community does. Like we expand mm -hmm. the range of healthy testosterone mm -hmm. levels, for example. Like right. mm -hmm. you right. know, like now it's like you know three, four hundred all the way up to a thousand. Yeah, you push the norm mm -hmm. to the mm -hmm. sick level. Yeah, like, you basically right. instead of instead of trying to get people healthier and trying to get our yeah our health back to what it was. It. Yeah, you're basically saying well this is the new normal because of the average is way worse and that's mm -hmm. that's unacceptable yeah. i mean and as far as california goes i mean they they have a very healthy um culture as far as working out goes but they also have a very strong vegan culture yeah so mm. like you know it's kind of like a a little bit of both like you know these people are walking around feeling super healthy like you said 30 to 50 pounds yeah, overweight are insulin resistance but they're drinking like 10 dollar you know organic juice. juices and crap and mm -hmm. yeah yeah so there's a big hypocrisy going on here in in los angeles with that veganism and and the way people eat is they're oh, i'm a vegan but they'll eat five pounds of rice right and i'm a vegan <laughs> but then i'll eat you know uh two or three cups of beans or you know i'm a vegan but i'll but i'll eat pasta so it's really right. not it's It's not really a healthy lifestyle. It's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of different motivations that why people become exactly vegan. a lot I'm of not, it is moral, right? I am not uh, anti-vegan whatsoever. I'm just, I'm just pointing out facts, right? This is what I see. This is my experience, and my experience has been is, yeah, I'm a vegan, but, but I'm, I'm consuming tons and tons and tons of grains yeah. and carbohydrates. So, you know, I don't know, is that good? Is that bad? I mean, from what I'm seeing, I see a lot of vegans who are overweight. Yeah, to, from my experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. man. Well, it's been it's been like several years for you. Um, and one of the things that we're always doing 
doing, and I know you do, we're always trying to find ways to like perfect what we're doing and, and get it better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've yes. been following what, what Vinny Tortorich calls NSNG, which means no sugar, no grains. You've been following that for like right. a, a ton of years now. So yeah. I'd love to know, like, how has your dietary approach evolved over the years? And, and how has your mm-hmm. training evolved to support this way of eating? So eating, you know, I know people say, oh, my God, it's so difficult to eat this way. I got to be honest with you. I eat out all the time. So, um, and again, I just want to make sure I'm clear is that I'm not always on point. I have to be, if I want to be a a person of integrity, I got to say, I got to say that sometimes, yes, I get off track. But in general, I would say 85%, 95% of the time, I'm just eating chicken, meats, steaks, um, cheeses, like creams and and my coffee is usually bulletproof coffee or a fat coffee, if you want to call it. So that's my constant. Those are my constant meals. How my how my diet and my way of eating and life has changed is where I've incorporated a lot of fasting. So I'll do 16, 18 hour fasts. And that's kind of what's really helped me feel good and stay in shape. I was just talking to a friend today and I was like, God, I don't feel good because I've been on, I've been working on a set for like five or six days now and the food has not been the best. So I don't feel yeah, good. Yeah, you do. You just but I, Yeah, it. it's horrible. Yeah. But now I know that tomorrow I can go and I'll do an 18 hour fast and I'll wake up feeling great. So yeah. that's how it's really evolved because for me, fasting is, I love fasting. It's just, it's so easy. Yeah. It really is so easy for me. So I think that's the biggest, biggest change that I've had. And then the second part of the question is, how does it incorporate my training? Well, what I've done in my training is I've figured out a way to get the maximum amount of energy while still being able to fast. So, for example, if I want to go run in the morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, I want, let's say I'm doing 50 miles, then what I try to do is I'll try to, to not fast the day before. Or maybe just fast for 12 hours and not do like a 16 or 18 hour fast. Because what I've noticed is that if I fast too, too many hours, then I just don't get the same amount of energy output. For 10 miles, yes. For 20 miles, yeah. But for 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles, I start to feel it. So yeah. that's kind of where for me, I've kind of adjusted that. And, it, and again, it's all individualized. You, you can't, I can't sit here and say, this is for Carlos and then this, this is for everybody else. No, everybody's a little bit different. So that's kind of the way I've, you know, it's like a N, N equals one experiment all the time with me. Yeah. yeah, I love That's that. That's like Danny too. Yeah, and the thing that, that I love about Carlos too, my love, is that like every everything that he does, you know, he talks about every individual is different and he yeah. always shares like his process changing these things, like these strategies always starts with like like a dry run. Like, let me see how much, how far I can go without drinking water. Let me see right, how, right. how this affects me. And then now you know, right, can right. you do it a few times in a run? Now you know kind of what to expect on that's race right. day. And that's like, right, I'm sure right. what you do with your clients, right? Like you kind of, yes. you guys try a few things out and then, you know, yes. perfect them. Let me tell you what I did. I, I, I was running, I was going to run a race uh, in Canada, but, but I couldn't go. I had a, some, some logistical issues that I couldn't go at the last, last minute. But anyway, when I was trained for that race, I did a 35 mile run and I actually got hurt. So I couldn't, I couldn't continue going. But, but what I learned was so important is that I realized that I couldn't just, I couldn't do 200 calories an hour. If I just did 200 calories an hour, it just wasn't enough. And how did I realize that after, I think it was like 19 miles, I was killing it. And then I sat down and I'm like, oh my God, I'm hungry. And then the next six miles, the next leg of it or whatever, I realized that I had no energy. And then when I sat down again at my checkpoint, I think I consumed like 400 calories. And then I did 300 calories and I did 300 calories. And I realized, holy cow, man, I I had such a burst of energy. 
So this is what I'm saying when I tell you that I'm doing like N equals one experiment all the time. Yeah. Even at the moment, I'm like, okay, I need, I, I told my guy, listen, I need you to bring me this amount of food and I need to shove it down my throat like really fast. And I want to run to see how, and let me tell you, it, it took like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I felt the burst of energy. So I said, okay, now I understand if I depleted an energy, if I put this amount of calories in, it's going to take me about it this, takes long. this long. Right. Exactly. This is how I do it. And that's the only way to do it. There's no other way to do it. That's this. You have to be the experiment. Yeah. And you have to do it on yourself. Right. And you have to do it yourself. Yeah. So that's why I believe in books. I believe in reading. It's great to have general knowledge. I believe that like even, you know, Phil Maffetone, he has great information. But I think he even says it. You got to go out there and experiment because one book is not going to really tell me how to run. I got to go out there and I have to suffer. I have to go through it. I got to experiment with it. And then I'm like, okay, got it. I understand my body. So, for example, I understand how much water I need and don't need. And I know if I don't have this amount of water, I can tell you off the bat, I'm going to get a headache. Guaranteed. And it happens. So I already know. Okay. And I, I knew that years ago. Now I know that with water, I also know that with food. And that's, and that's how I go about my training. So whoever's listening, it's not about me telling you what to do or Danny or Maura. It's about you. Yeah, I'll give you the general knowledge, but you got to put the time in. You got to put the hours in. Of course. In. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way, that, that's my opinion. That's why I look at that. Yeah, your coach is not going to digest your food for you. Your coach is not going to, you have to, yeah, they'll give you a plan, but you have to apply it and you got to take ownership. That's right. That's right. A hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. Um, so this question is, I'm glad I'm asking it because this is truly terrifying to me. So I'm curious <laughs> as to what you're going to say. But one of the things that we find impressive and terrifying, and I know Danny feels the same way, at the same time <laughs> is your refusal to wear headphones during training. Oh, my God. And during your competitions, especially with running. So can Ugh. you explain some of the reasons why you do this, um, along with some of the other strategies you use to make sure you are never surprised <sighs> on you know race day got it so this is really personal to me because i as as a person of the mountain that i I love the mountain i love the ocean i just love being outdoors right so for me it's really simple is why am i going to go out to a trail where i'm going to be deep in the mountains and then bring technology into that mountain and not let me experience the sound the smells the, the, the pitter patter, the bird, even the bear, if there's a bear or whoever's there, you, 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 if you're going out to a mountain, if you're going out into nature, for me, it's always been the reason I go out there is because I want to experience nature. I feel like I'm closer to nature and I know it might sound, you know, everybody's, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's like a generic term, a, a generic way of thinking, but I love being close to nature. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And by putting on headphones, it just takes away that experience. So when I see people on the trail with headphones, it, it, it really drives me crazy because it's just like they're not really truly experiencing the mountain. They're experiencing Coldplay or some salsa <laughs> or some hard rock. They're not really experiencing. They'll say, oh, I was in a Zen moment. How can you be in a Zen moment when you're rocking out to ACs? Yeah, that's true. I, I, I just don't understand it. So for me, for me, it's always been being close to nature. And the way I can be close to nature is by being connected to nature. How am I connected? By just listening, breathing, smelling. Because believe it or not, when you have headphones on, your five senses are not in tune. So, for example, well, yeah, you, you can't hear for sure. Right, you may be able to smell, but if you're listening to the headphones, that 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 sense of smell and taste, it kind of is is diminished a little bit. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you need all sure. of them. Yeah, working together. Right. So, so here's what happened. One time, I was running with my headphones, and I was addicted to my headphones, like a lot of people are, and I ran out of power halfway on the run. Oh my gosh, that would ruin my power. life. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, How am I going to get true. back now? I don't have my music. Yeah, it's true. And I and I in that moment I refused to ever go back to him. 
refuse to go back to Hemphills and never do it again. I love it. And that's where, that's where that came from. So I know you asked another part of the question, Mara. What was the other part of it? So the other part was just like other, like any other things that, that, um, you know, any other strategies that you, you use to make sure that you're never surprised. So any other like clutches, I guess that, that other people use that you right. might not. So, right. <laughs> right. So for example, I, I try to go as minimal as possible. So for example, like my watches, I never try to get these watches that I have, even though my watch is, is a newer watch is a Sunto. And yes, it, it, it does. It has all the bells and whistles, but I always keep it to a minimum where at the end of the day, my battery doesn't run out because what I'm trying to avoid is anything that's going to prevent me from finishing this race. So for example, if I'm addicted to my watch and my watch dies, I'm like, oh my God, my watch died. Now what am I going to do? How am I going to do the miles per hour? Right, right. So, so this true. is what right. I do. Like, so if you're doing let me pacing. tell you what I've, exactly. So let me tell you what I did in these big races. I did not bring those watches with me. What I brought was a regular Timex. And what I did was when I started the race, I put the timer on. And when I stopped the race, I turned the timer off. All I wanted to know was how many hours I've been running. Right. That's it. Because I knew that a watch that I had to recharge was not going to last for four days in the, in the, out there in the mountains. That's right. So I just refused. I didn't bring it. Why bring something that's not going to work, you know, 24 hours later? I don't want to carry extra um, so true. power packs. So why do it? You know, think about it. 20 yeah. years ago, nobody had these watches. No. And people so were still running these races. Yep. Yep. So what, what makes it so different? Why, why can't we just run these races without all this stuff? And I get it. Some people feel connected. Some feel like they need it. Some people want another page. You know what? If you train hard enough, and even if you don't train hard enough, you know what you're running. You know what you're yeah, and that's why I I just this again. I'm not I'm not saying that you can't use those watches. This is just my opinion. This is how I get through races. Yeah, and, and, and it, it's it's just playing devil's advocate. You know, just just giving people another thing to consider. Like I, I mean, I I like the idea. I wouldn't do it all the time, but I would definitely if if I was running, I would definitely have times when when I I really want to take advantage of, especially if I'm running somewhere like like a beautiful trail or something like that where mm -hmm. where it doesn't make sense you know like i want to like do some forest bathing you know like yes. where you're taking in yeah that the sounds, actually makes a smells, lot of sense the, with the yeah. outdoor runs now that you mm -hmm. explain, he explained it with the nature for sure mm -hmm. yeah so you're you're going up for example uh let's say mount whitney here's like the highest point in the continent in the in the continuous united states at like 14,503 but well, who's counting yeah <laughs> so you're you're going up these mountains and if you're, if you're constant, if you're on your headphones, if you listen to a podcast, and don't get me wrong, I listen to podcasts, and you're looking at your pace, and you're looking at the GPS constantly, I mean, you're missing the point. Yeah. You're missing the complete point of why you're there. Yeah. You're there to enjoy, not there to, now, okay, now if you're, if, you're, if you're an expert and you're a champion and you want to do the fastest known time up Whitney and back down, okay, I get it. Put your watch on. But if you're doing that, you're, you're, you'll be done in seven hours. You understand what I'm saying? It's yeah. all relative. Yeah, it is. But if you're going to be there for 20 hours, what is the point? Enjoy freaking time out there. That's my, again, that's, I'm sorry, man. I get on the sound. No, 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 no. I, 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 I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's a different so, perspective and it is something to think about. It's true. Like how many things I, are you going to be thinking about and like looking at while you're just trying to run a race, you know? I remember I was, I was getting to this guy. His name is Tony Molina. He's, uh, I'm going to throw out there, the Rewire Project here in Santa Monica, California. The guy's a beast. And I remember I went training with him and he had his, it was a hundred degrees and he had the air conditioner off with the windows up. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, why should I get used to the cold weather? We're going to go out and run right now. Oh. I'm like, holy shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, why should I get used to it? 
And I'm like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. No shit. It makes sense. Yeah. Why should I get accustomed to this cold weather if I'm going to get out right now? It's like, here's another thing. If it's raining, nobody runs. Why? If you're oh. running a marathon and it's mile 15 and it starts raining, what are you going to do? You're going to stop running? Yeah. We, we know what uh, what our boy thinks about that. <laughs> What's his name? Um, David local, Goggins. David Goggins, yeah. man. If it's I, raining, been, go. Go outside. Let me tell you guys, I've been doing that for a long time. When it rains, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go yeah, just, just, to to get out, just to get out of the comfort zone. Just to, Because let me tell you. And then you feel not, like you learn. You learn like, oh, me, this is how I have to run if it's raining. You know? like. Let me ask you something. When you, If you're 10 years old and you're in Miami, it's pouring, raining, but it's 70, it's 85 degrees outside. Would you be indoors or outdoors? Outside. As long as it's right. not thundering. Yeah. So why is that when we're 25, <laughs> it's 26, so true. 30, 40, we, we avoid the rain? What happened? What Where was the disconnect in there between being 10 and loving to running the rain and playing the rain we're 25 30 and we don't want to be in the rain no more what happened yeah it's what so happened? true and that's the thing for me i love being in the rain i love being in the snow none of that stuff bothers me i don't care about the mud it's just part of the I process because eventually those things are going to come up in a race eventually it's going to happen it's so yeah. true but why not get used why not get used to it absolutely i love that man all right, now let's talk about let's talk about fueling strategies for races because uh-huh. you know you've used several approaches, you've used uh-huh. several food sources, several supplements. Uh-huh. Can you share some of your like top two to three supplements and food sources that you use for training and races, and when when each one would be like most appropriate? Right. So just be- before I say that, let me just say what I used to do. What I used to do was what everybody else does, right? I sugar loaded and I did all the uh, carb loading, and then I would use sugar gels oranges, fruits, bananas, and that would be my fueling source. And what I realized is that after 18 miles, 15, you know, 15, 20 miles, my stomach would start hurting. I couldn't, I, I would have to use the restroom, but nothing would come out. It was just very different. I got sick. And so I, this is how it evolved. Cause I got, I remember I did a marathon one time. I ate an orange and I got sick. I could barely finish that run. And I was bent over. And I realized that that orange was the one that got me sick. Cause that was the first uh, sugar that I had ingested. And I go, there it is. That's the because I was trying to figure out what it was. And when I found out about the sugar, that's when I started investigating. I started reading. I started researching about sugar eating. So that's how I came across the keto and the paleo and all that stuff. That's 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 the the genesis of my story, right? So fast forward it. I met Vinny, and you mentioned him, and he he, he explained to me about how we can we can run on fuel, on fat, fat is fuel. So I started using fat, just like you know everything. I'm not going to repeat it because that's what everybody does now. So I started using fat. And then I, I, I tried to find, you know, sources like avocado or bacon or I would go to a McDonald's and get the meat and the eggs or I go to Burger King or any restaurant that had meat. And it works, but it was just I had to take too much food. Make sense? Yeah. Too much food. So then I started using a product called UCAN, which is what Vinny, you know, told me about. And what, what I realized about UCAN is UCAN, it sustained me for a longer period of time. But it still wasn't enough. There was I still needed more fat. I didn't have the fat. Yeah. And then I just started, you know, what I would do is I would do avocados, nuts, you can. But it's just, it wasn't enough. Like it wasn't, something was like missing. And then I know this is going to sound cheesy, man. But our buddy came out with 9 Cal Energy, which is straight fat. Yep. Fat in a freaking pack. And I'm like, this is it. So what I do is I just use 9 Cal Energy, which is basically a gel that's a MCT-based feeling system. So I'll, I'll drink one of those. And... Depending on the amount of time that I'm going to be running. So if I'm running 10 miles, I probably only need one of those and maybe one you can and I'm done. But if I'm running 20 miles, 30 miles, what I end up doing is I end up using those for like short bursts for maybe between five miles and 10 miles. And then at that 10 mile mark, I have to eat real food. Okay. So I find a way to get real food. Like for example, 
bacon, you know, sausages, whatever, anything that's that's fat. Avocados are avocados are the best, man. They're easy to carry. Nice. Olive oil. I'll I'll sip on olive oil. And then I'll run another five, ten miles with the same thing with you can and and um and the nine cal energy. But as I as yeah. I go longer into the runs, I need a lot of food. I need food because I just I'm burning so many calories. Cause I can't do you can for a hundred miles. I can't do it. It doesn't it doesn't work for me. Yeah. But it's the best for me, the best product. So what I started doing was I started taking the nine cal and putting it inside the you can. And wow. that's how I drink it. Oh, and yeah. I drink that, I sip on that as I run. That's how I do it. I love it, man. So the yeah. nine cal for everybody, um, like Carlos says, it's MCT based. So it's got MCT oil. I think it's got a little bit of coconut oil, so it's not all fast acting, yes, it's, fast yes, digesting. Exactly. And then it's got egg yolks for like the amino acids and some more fat. And then it's got mm-hmm. that berry flavor. So it tastes like you're eating a gel, um, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's, it's not a sugar gel and you won't bonk on it. No, right. No. And, and it's like rocket fuel, man. It really is. I mean, if you're, if you're fat adapted, it's the way to go. What I, what I typically do just, you know, everybody's different. Maybe somebody else has another product. I don't know, but I usually take one of those at the beginning and I'll, I'll I'll wait another three hours or four before I use another one. Why? Because my stomach is a little sensitive to MCT oil. Me particularly. Oh, dude, so I, I, I think a lot of people too, man. I, you can't you can't have it too quickly because um, mm-hmm. it's so quickly digested. Like that's that's mm-hmm. part of why it's so awesome because it's it's very quick acting. It's like you know the research shows it's it's less likely to be stored. It's it's more likely mm-hmm. to be used quickly, mm-hmm. and because of that, uh, it can it can blow you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it can blow you out. And you know, another thing that I've been using are nut butters. So oh, yeah. Nut oh, yeah. Butter. However, just between you, I, I don't, I haven't found a really good nut butter that tastes, they taste decent, but something that, that, that goes down smooth. It doesn't have that grainy feeling. But what about, what, what about, about yeah, because those are, those, those are, are so not oily. as chalky and like mm-hmm. thick as like a typical like almond or, or peanut butter. Yeah, you, the coconut well, one is probably too thick because that one gets stuck, but like the regular one is pretty oily one. So here's the thing. If I, I must admit, I have not tried those. Yet. <gasps> oh my, oh my gosh, gosh, bro. We we'll have to. <laughs> we'll have to because them. listen, they're everywhere. They're and in GNC. They, they're in they're Target. Everywhere. They're in Target. Vitamin shop. No, not Target. No. Um, what's the other place? Uh, Whole Foods. Whole, no, yeah, Whole Foods. Some but Whole Foods. CVS. That's what I was meant, meant to say. Oh, yeah, some CVS. Okay, I'll try. But for sure, vitamin shop. Gonna, yeah, because, yeah, what you're talking about, that's like, it's like pasty or whatever. No, these are perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's closer to like the nine cow. It's the same like yeah. consistency Got as it. the nine cow. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start using those because I need something else because you have to, for me, I have to put some variety to into yeah. my food. So, I mean, I could go long distance and I could really finish the race with just basic stuff. But sometimes just to have a different feeling, you know, you want to, you want to taste something different. So for example, in that race, the Grand to Grand, which was usually... It was a marathon a day for five days, for six days, basically what it was. So every day, what I would do is when I would run, when I was doing the actual runs, I, it was strictly UCAN powder and UCAN bars and the UCAN, um, what is the? Uh, hydrate? Uh, the hydrate. The yeah. hydrate. That's all I used. I did nothing else because they don't feed you. You got to carry your own food. And then at night, I, would, I had my own food. So I would cook my food and I would eat that. And I had my own breakfast. So for breakfast and dinner, I would provide it from my pack. And then during the runs, all I did was the, the, the straight UCAN. I literally ran that race on UCAN. That's great. The whole time. I mean, it was just, a, I never felt better. I, I no, no inflammation. I was never tired. It was the best. I think I came in like 30 skin out of 110 or so. It was a, an amazing performance. And it had 
All right, let's get into the math method because that's one of the things that we talk about in the, uh, the mm-hmm. Keto Muscle Intelligence Program. And yes. that's the importance of staying in a fat-burning state as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to just mention my uncle because my, my uncle called me the other day. He was like talking to me about, you know, my blood sugar is is elevated. My, my A1C is 5.7. How could that be if I'm a triathlete? I don't eat carbs. Um, mm-hmm. And I started asking him about his training. And of course, he's, he was doing a lot of stuff in zone four. He was oh. training fasted a ton, which don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, if, if you are in a stressed environment like that, mm-hmm. that could be an issue, especially if you're, you're burning all this sugar. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people miss out on that, you know, so I, it could lead to poor performance, it could lead to suboptimal body composition. So mm-hmm. what's the math method? You know, how did you come across it? Because I always love hearing that story. And then how do you use it for your training in a typical week? So, um, good question, man, because that math is such a good thing. So back in the, when I first, um, was running, um, I was running in zone four all day, every day. And you know, you get tired, you, you, you push, you push, you push, you push, you push, you push, and you're like, man, what's going on? You get better, but, but it's at, it's at a point where you're, you're just suffering. You know what I'm saying? You're suffering yeah. and, and you're like, is this, is this getting any better? Um, the weight wasn't coming down. So, and I just didn't know what was going on and I needed a lot of calories to, to keep, to continue going because I, I'm like, what the hell's going on? If I'm burning all these calories, then how come I'm not losing weight? So, uh, I know this friend of mine, he, he, um, he brought him over to our, to our office to speak to a bunch of realtors and to tell his story about how he broke these amazing records, these I ran a thousand miles and I hold the record, whatever. Right? I I ran five hundred miles and I'm like, holy cow, who is this beast? Right? This was uh <laughs> this was uh the pre Goggins, right? This guy's just. I mean, if you're if you're interested in finding out like the uh, like one of the innovators was this guy Stu Middleman, you know. So Stu Middleman uh, wrote a book. It's called Slow Burn. So I got the book there. He signed it for me, and I stayed in I've stayed in contact with him. Make a long story short, Stu Middleman was doing a race and he was having the same symptoms that I was having. Like, you know, uh, he was fatigued. He couldn't run. He was getting hurt. He Something was wrong with his ankle. Like, he was still running these massive amount of miles, but he had issues with his ankle. And at one of the races that he was going to do to break a record, he was having an issue. And this guy named Phil uh, Mapitone said, hey, man, I have a solution for you. And he cleared up. He had like a, like a, if I'm not mistaken, don't call me. I, if I remember correctly, he had like a sugar buildup in his ankle. Wow, and Phil Mapperton like kind of snapped it open, you know, released it, and you know he ran the race, and he said, you know, when you're done doing this race, call me so I can teach you the right way to do this. Again, this is just me, you know, a synopsis of the story. So uh, Phil taught this to Stu Middleman, and Stu, you know, just took took off. And what is what is the math method, right? The math method is basically um, staying in a state of exertion where you're, where you're able to speak, where you're able to go long distances, where you're able to, to, uh, to keep your body where it's not completely stressed out, but it, but at the same time, it's not completely dormant. And what the way he figured that out after tons and tons of training and tons of experimenting and, and doing you know, dabbing was taking your age 180, I'm sorry, 180 minus your age. So basically what he did was he said, like, for example, me 180 minus 48, that's 132. So what he's saying to you is that should be the max heart rate that you're at. So let me repeat that again, because I know you're going to probably get emails on this or text messages or something. (laughs) 180 minus your age. So for my case, 180 minus 48 years old, the number is 132. So that at my, at my level where I'm at, 132 is my max heart rate. So I should be running between 122 
and 132. That's why I should maintain my, my heart rate. And then people are probably saying, but wow, that's really slow. How can, how can that be good for you? Well, what ends up happening is after a while, you training at that level, your body starts to adapt and you can actually run faster and maintaining that same heart rate. Yeah. So think but about it. It takes patience, right? Say again? It takes patience. It yeah. takes patience. Right. So for example, let's say you're running a 10 minute mile today. If you were to do this for the next six months, you can actually get to 7.30, eight minute pace, staying at the same heart rate. Right. Yeah. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes a specific kind of training program without you going to zone four. So, for example, Carlos right now is at 132. That's zone two. Zone three could be 140. Zone four could be 150. Like zone five is like 170, 175. So I, I in, in the math training, I never want to go above 132, which is about 69 percent of your heart rate, of your of, of your max heart rate. OK. Yep. Yeah. Here's a difference, though. There's there's a caveat to that. If you've been training for a while, if you're in great condition, if you've been racing and you haven't been hurt in the last couple of years, you can actually add five points to that. So mine is 132. I add five points. So I'm not 137. So between 137 and 127, if I stay in that zone, if I train long enough in that zone, then I eventually am going to run faster, but maintain that zone. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes involved. You can do speed training, but very minimal. And that'll take you to, to zone three, zone four. Right. But you want to stay there a very short amount of time and come back down. And if you do that periodically, you'll start increasing your gains tremendously. So this is a phenomenal, phenomenal way of training. Why? Because it doesn't stress the body out. And that's the key. The reason that your uncle's probably having problems with the the sugar is because he's a constant state of stress. Constantly, 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 constantly. And what happens is the organs are in constant state of stress. So they're pumping out. They're just defending the body. They're protecting the body. And how are they protecting the body? By pumping out sugar. By, and he's probably eating tons of sugar, right? I'm sure he is. Uh, right? No, no, he's not. He's thankfully he's he's 100% keto, so um, so he's not he's not eating a lot of sugar. He, I think it's so not even when he trains. Not even when he trains, he's not using no, any kind of sugar. No, okay, no. good, good. Yeah. So yeah, he's probably getting that high sugar because of the constant because he's probably constantly in zone four all the time, constantly. And yep. your body's stressed out. Your body's completely stressed out, so it doesn't know how to relax his body. And that's the problem that he's probably having. And let me tell you, man, your uncle would switch to zone two training in five or six months. He'll be right at where he's at right now with less stress and the body will be in phenomenal shape. I'm telling you, zone two is the way to go, people. And I know it's difficult and I know that people have a hard time because it takes a lot of patience. But at the end of the day, it's the best way to train. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's I mean, you want to be in a fat burning state like that's that's Mm -hmm. the bottom line, not only for for your body composition, but if you don't have access to that fat because of how Mm -hmm. stressed you are, cortisol is high, you know, you're not going to perform as well, you're going to feel like crap. And it's like you're in this state where you have all this fat, but you don't have access to it because of how stressed you are. Right. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. Most importantly, I forgot, forgive me is yes, when you're in zone two, your body's burning fat. Yeah. And when you're burning fat, you can go a long, long way. Why? Because a typical human being, and again, right, this is not exact science here. We're just throwing out averages. We have about 2000 calories of sugar in us at any given time. And you and I both know that we can burn through that really fast. A good example of that is, you know, you you wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, you have your donut, you have your bagel. And then at one o'clock, two o'clock in the room, you have sugar, you crash, right? Because from eight in the morning to one or two, you've burned those calories. Yep. And now your body's asking for more. So now you have to give it more sugar, right? That's yep. a crash. That's what the, literally, literally a crash is, is that you're giving your body sugar, the body depletes, depleted sugar, you crash. In order for you to get back up, you got to give it more sugar. Yep. But if you were to flip the script and you ate fats, 
and you trained in zone two, now your body's getting, your body's accustomed to going and using that fattish as energy. And those crashes that you had at 12 noon, they become obsolete. I cannot remember the last time I had a crash. A sugar crash. It's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, so that's, that's the advantage of running in zone two, training in zone two, is, is your body is learning how to use fat as fuel and not using sugar. It doesn't, the, your body's not using all that, all that sugar to, to energize itself. You're not in a constant state of stress because I think that's the worst part about it. Yeah. Your body's constantly stressed. 100%. Exactly. Right? That's where you get all the, that's when you start seeing people, man, you look old, but you work <laughs> out so much. You look old. Well, yeah, you know why? Because you're, if you're running four to five times a week, but if you're constantly stressed out, I mean, meaning when I say stress, I'm talking about physically, inside, internally stress, it shows on the outside of your body. And you know this, Danny and Mala, you guys both know this. You see it. I love it, bro. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, wearables because they're really popular now, mm. especially mm. for endurance athletes. And you've used several over the years. Can mm-hmm. you talk about the differences between like the chest straps and the watches? And mm-hmm. in we would love if you could share some entry level options for chest straps and watches along with some mm-hmm. of the, I guess, higher end ones. So check this out. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that question, but I <laughs> <laughs> So for me, um, I definitely use a, a, a watch with a chest strap because if we're doing zone two, remember, we have to measure our heart rate. And the way we measure our heart rate is with, obviously, our, our heart rate monitor. So I definitely advocate of using a, a heart rate strap. And I definitely would stay away from the wrist strap, from the wrist uh, monitor, because it's just not the same. I know Danny yeah. and I talked about this before, where it's kind of like three to five beats off. Yeah. So you're really not getting a really genuine good good uh, a good reading on it so if you can stay away from the wrists and just use a chest strap it's always better again you can use what you want to use i use the strap it just works better for me it doesn't bother me i don't think about it i don't you know people say oh it bothers my chest well you know what you know it bothers my chest for the first 10 days and then i just forget about it's even there so i that's the way i look yeah and, and it's cheaper too right it's cheaper because the wrist ones are more expensive they're probably about a hundred dollars more if i'm not mistaken so yeah um and then as far as a good watch model, what I use, I use Sunto. Sunto is a great watch. Another watch is Garmin. And it's all going to depend. What, what I don't advocate is going and getting yourself a cheap, like, I'm not, and I'm just only throwing Kohler out there because that's the ones I've bought that are a little bit more inexpensive. Don't go and spend 30 bucks on one because I get, I'm going to tell you right now, the watch is going to go bad. The strap's going to go bad. <laughs> and it's just, not, it's just not worth it. Go spend at least $100, $150 on a good watch. And now this is all going to depend on a lot of things. So, for example, I have the Suncho. Um, God, I forget the watch I have. I, got, I have the Suncho. Anyway, the band, the, the Ambit 3 is what I have. And why do I have the Ambit 3? Because it has a lot of gadgets that I need. For example, pace, distance. It has altimeter on there. It has maps on there. I'm able to download it. I'm able to download it onto my phone. So I like all that data. So if you like data... You're going to have to spend between four and $600 on a good watch. And that's, I mean, so, not just for data, right? Because if they're doing like a, a grand to grand or if they're doing one of these longer races, I, I think the maps would probably be extremely helpful to make sure you, you stay on course, right? Man, exactly. That's another thing too. Those maps, I'll tell you what, a lot of people don't use them. Some people do, but not a lot. Most people don't use them because I don't think they go long enough. But I used it uh, a few months back because I didn't have I didn't have one on my phone. And let me tell you, man, it works beautifully. Turn by turn. It's just amazing. It's just a little bit harder because you're constantly wa- looking at your watch at a turn. So, but if you can get one on your phone, fo- there's, there's maps that you can, that you can put on your phone that actually work with the watch as well. So, but again, you're going to have to spend between 400 and $600 for a decent, yes, you can find a cheaper one, you know, maybe online and 
discounted store. Or But if you're buying a new watch, you're looking between four and $600. Garmin, great watch. Soon till great watch. It's all going to depend on you, what you like, what gadgets you like. If, if you want to do an Ironman, there's one for Ironman. If you're a mountaineer, there's one for mountaineering. If you're doing, if you're doing long distance endurance, if you want to, if you want to have your heart rate in, in the pool, there's a certain watch for that. If you're a cyclist, there's a watch for that. And there's watches that have combination of everything. So it's really hard for me to say here, which one is best for me. Soon till has always been the way to go for me. Yeah, and so, I don't get I don't get paid by them, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and then the the for the I mean I I would just assume like the only one that I have the polar chest strap and mine was like mm-hmm. eighty bucks for the strap. Yeah, the, I think it was the, the watch. seven. Uh, the strap. The, yeah, it was just the strap it, or the watch and the strap. Just the strap. Right there, you go. Yeah, you're gonna spend about one hundred and fifty dollars if you buy a combination. Yep, and I mean, and yeah. then you're still not gonna use that watch, right? I mean, why? Like you use your Sunto and your chest strap, right? Yeah, because my watch comes with the strap. Ah, okay, uh, okay. Right. So when I bought my watch, so wait, your Sunto a... comes with the chest strap. Yes. Oh, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mine, mine specifically. There's a couple watches. Though. For example, Polar, Polar. A lot of here's another thing. If you want to go Polar, it's good because if you go to a gym, a lot of those treadmills, maybe Polar um, uh, treadmills, it's compatible with your chest strap, so you don't even have to use your watch. You can just use the, the treadmill oh, yeah. with it. So that's that's cool. a, that's that's a, that's what if you're interested in that. What I do is I'll just take my watch and I'll put it on my my chest and and I'll just run in the treadmill with it and it'll give me my heart rate. That's so cool. you know it, it just depends on what you want. If you're if you're into cycling, if you're into cycling, I know Garmin has a great watch that does like triathlon triathlons where you can you click for when you start swimming, you click when you go cycling, and you click when you go running, and it, and it's it's a common. You don't have to turn off your watch and it maps it out for you. It's a phenomenal watch. It also tell it times your 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 uh what do you call it when you're going between like, transitions uh, your transitions at times of transitions so it's it's a, those are great watches i know that garmin has a really good watch for that and then soon so a lot of mountaineering they even have golfing ones fishing ones um you know long distance really running ones so you know it really depends on what you like to do but either of those ways to go either of those watches will work that's I'm sorry, cool, I'm, talking too, I'm talking too much now. Not at all, bro. Not <laughs> at all. I mean, one of the things that I love that you told me uh, a while back, because I had already bought my my Garmin um, Vivo Active, which is a, a one of the lower end, uh-huh. like 250, I think, Yeah. Um, was you told me something that I actually used your advice like shortly after we recorded all uh, on all of that. And by the way, guys, we'll, we'll include, um, we'll include links to Carlos's first episode on the ketogenic athlete uh-huh. and then his second, uh-huh. third and fourth ones. Cause it, yeah. they're four times, but you said, you know, one of the things that's awesome about Garmin beyond the fact that they have amazing GPS is, is the fact that they, they're so willing and eager to, to work with you. If you have, if you, if you have an issue, like they'll, only Oh, oh my God. Man, yeah. I'll tell you what, Garmin, they're just amazing, man. The um, Suncho, I've had experience with, with Suncho and both Garmin, but the latest one was Suncho. Man, these people, you call them right away, man. They'll give whatever you need, whatever. They'll they'll replace that watch in a heartbeat. That's they awesome. won't even think twice. And that's important to have, you know, because if you're, if you're spending $400 on a watch, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not rich. Uh-huh. $400 no. is a lot of money, man, to spend on a watch. So um, if you can call them up and they'll send it, they'll repair it for you and they'll send it back to you. Or if it's not working, they'll just send you a new watch. I mean, because, but the watch is incredibly made good watch, man. So, but I want to talk about just on the same thing is when you're running these long races, I, it's, I know I'm, I'm advocating these watches, but just remember, if you're running a hundred mile race with no support, because with support is different, with no support, for example, 
if you're watch, if you're running 24 hours, 30 hours, depending how far, some of these watches may not last that distance. Oh wow! So here's what, yeah. So here's what happens. Is, so it, now is you it start, the battery? Yeah, the battery life. It just doesn't wow, last. Wow, that's time. crazy. Yeah. So remember, you're you're if you're putting all the gadgets on their pace per mile, if you're putting the satellite on, if you're turning on the light at night, if you're using all the the gizmos, the watch drains faster. There's there's settings where you can put it where it's minimal, where it can go for sixty hours, but you're not getting all the gadgets, right? Okay. So here's what happens. So you're running, and then your watch is gonna die. You're at mile 75, the watch dies, that session is done. Now oh. you have to charge your watch, and you're not going to stop racing until it charges. You're going to keep running. Yeah. See, that's the, that's the issue I have with these, these beautiful watches. Now, I'm not suggesting not to use them again. If, you're, if, you're, if you know that you can finish a race within the time, yeah, go for it. But if you know that the watch is going to die, but you still want to do it, take, that, take your watch, but take another one. Take a regular um, Timex. And just put on the timer because you still want to know how much time you have on this race. The worst thing is that you're in a race and you don't know how much time you have left. That is the worst. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I yeah. can't imagine. You gotta, you gotta be mentally prepared. You gotta have, you know, you gotta just know. It's just good to know. It's just really good to know. You want to know, okay, how long is it taking me per mile? You can, you can guesstimate that stuff. You can say, okay, yeah, it's taking me, you know, 50 minute miles or 12 minute miles, or, you know, it took me to do these 20 miles. It took me 10 hours. So now, you know, okay, I got 25 miles to go. You know, you got it. I, I have an estimate how much time it's going to take me and how's the cutoff. There's a lot of things that go because the last thing you want to be worried about at mile 175 on a 200 mile race is a freaking watch. <laughs> you just want to move. I'm telling you, it, it's, it yeah, sounds. I, I, hey, you don't have to tell me. I don't even like having the watch on. So it's like. Yeah, I know it sounds like so <laughs> minor, but everything hurts. Everything hurts. You have a handkerchief around your neck. It hurts. You know, the sun hurts. The hat hurts. The shoes hurt. You know, then you're looking at the, even, even it hurts to look at your hand. If, if you don't have nothing to worry about when you got 25 miles to go and you can just move and not worry about anything, that's the way to go. And I know it sounds so minor, but I'm telling you, 175, 100 miles, 190 miles into a 205-mile race, you know, you've been going out there for 90 hours. You don't have time for any of that. You just want to move and get the shit done. So I know, I know I keep repeating myself, but when you're that deep into a race, when you're that committed, yeah. you're not really thinking about a watch. You're <laughs> thinking about surviving at this point. <laughs> yeah, bro. Of course. It's so true. I love it, man. Yeah. Thank you for that. Seriously, it's not it's not too much. It's I think it's important for people to know these things. So yeah. Um this is kind of related to earlier, but I I just you know, I, I you you you've done so much reading, you know. Guess who he knows, my love? Guess who, who else he does? Wait, who else? Oh, I think I told you because this Coop Blackson was in another. Oh, that was the one That's I told you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quarter Coop, Coop. Coop Black, you know. Yeah, Tell me yeah. who else. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, Kardashian, so, Kanye West, Coop. no say, okay. Well, now, <laughs> now let's add let's <laughs> add Luis. What's his name? Uh Luis Guzman. Mont- I don't know him yet. I will. I will know him. The guy I know his name is uh, is Philip Maldonado. He's the he's the Freddie Cooler guy. As a matter of fact, he has a he has a great documentary. I know. Wait, On the Freddy side Cougar? note. Gave, so the guy who the, the guy yeah. with the they, this called the man behind the sweater. If you look at the documentaries about him and about the sweater, oh how he came gosh. up with the idea. Yeah, check it out. Anyway, sorry about that. Cool. Just throw a little sh- shout out to my buddy out there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So like you know you you do a lot of reading. You've gone to conferences. You've gone yes to um, a lot of these these mindset things. So mm-hmm. what are the mindset practices that that you're employing daily? And um, mm-hmm. are there any specific things that you're doing uh, before and during races? So, so, oh man, that's a good question, man. I got to be honest with you. I am so basic 
Like, I, don't like to, yeah. I don't like to complicate my life. You know, I, I, I like to have goals. Like, for example, right now I'm, I'm, I'm committing to a goal and I'll talk to you about it after this, but I'm really simple. My, my philosophy is like this. And I know that people, they might think, oh, because David Goggins. Let me tell you, before David Goggins, there was Carlos Donis in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know David Goggins and I didn't know what he did. Yeah. But I know the way he thinks is, is very similar to the mindset that I have. Like, I just, I don't give a shit. I just keep moving. Like, I might not be the fastest guy, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to cut my legs off in order for me not before to finish quit. this race. Yeah. Right. So here's my thing. Is there was this guy named Wayne Dyer. Have you guys know who Wayne Dyer? Oh, is? I love Wayne Dyer. We yes. love him. So and I'm gonna I'm gonna sum it up with this quote. And this is my favorite quote, and this is how I approach everything. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yes. Right? If you yeah. change the way you look at things, the things that you look at will change. So I'm gonna tell you how I implement how I implement that into my life. And I know that people who run out there are gonna are gonna relate to this. So when I first started running, I would see a freaking hill and I'm like, oh snap, there's a hill. So right away my mind was like, oh, hill equals bad, hill equals pain. Right? And yeah. then when I would get to the top, I would say, Oh my God, it's a downhill. And then, oh my God, I love it. So going downhill meant good. Right. So I was I was putting labels on uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill. And then the flat became neutral. But then when I was really tired, it became almost like an uphill. Wow. So I said to myself, how about if I just change the way I look at this? How about if I just say this is part of the process? I got to go uphill. I got to go downhill and I got to go flat. Why don't I just take look at this as this is what I do. And even if I'm going up or I'm going down, I'm going left, I'm going right. Why don't I just treat it all the same and say, I love the uphills. I love the downhills and I love the flat. And let me tell you something that changed my life forever. I never look at a hill, no matter how high it is. I never say, oh, shit, there comes that hill. Never, never, ever, ever. Oh, I yeah. always say, this is it. This is part. I'm talking about three-mile hills that take you three hours, <laughs> four hours nonstop. I never look at it like that. I just look at, okay, this is part of the process. I just got to get through this because I have to get to that. You know, I got to get to the finish line. So this is right. part of my process, going up and down, up and down. Nothing matters if it's going up or I'm going down or I'm going flat. It's all the same. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So true. Yeah, man. It's so and true. That's what I've that's what I've done. That's what's that's what's changed my whole running attitude. I love that. It's yeah, that hill thing. It just remains. It's, perception, it, the, right it's the right perception. And honestly, like we we can, we create. You can create mm-hmm. and suffering, yeah. And suffering. Mm-hmm. And so it's that kind of reminds me, like I've kind of been doing so like I do something similar, like the mind, like it's kind of like a Jedi mind trick that you used to get uh-huh. pain, you know, like as a dancer. Mm-hmm. And I told Danny this the other day. Yeah. I'm like, tell me this isn't like I was literally doing this when I was young, you know, like really young. Mm-hmm. Because think about it. Like, mm-hmm. so we would have to sit in these positions that were stretching, and I mean it hurts mm-hmm. and you have to stretch beyond like you stretch to stretch so first right. you stretch and then you stretch more and it's like mm-hmm. you're just sitting in these positions for so long and like you have you're either going to be tense the whole time which by the way makes it of course hurt more mm-hmm. or, like these breathing practices and or or even just i would literally tell myself in my head like okay what is pain like what what actually is the pain like what is mm-hmm. it what is or where exactly is it because you know like you feel like if you're stretching your hamstring in, like if you're like ah oh, like you feel like your whole leg hurts but then if i try mm-hmm. to focus on it i'm like it's only like a tiny little spot there that's like feeling tight you know mm-hmm. and so, like we we create so much pain mm-hmm. <laughs> we do not even there it's we so do it, it's uh it's you know I, I when i was in the marine corps my buddy i had never heard this before and i know it's really 
it's a cliche, but it's you know, it's pain is it's temporary. It's, what is it? Pain is temporary. It's leaving the body. Some, yeah. Something oh, like that. You know, leaving the body. Right. body. Yeah. Yeah. That, there you go. So I remember he had he had he had told me that one time because in the Marine Corps. It's pretty much all about how much pain can you endure, right? And it's like a like an amazing feat if you if you can endure more pain than this guy. So I remember I was running a five miler, uh, a three miler for a test, and my guy used to kick my butt. And and I remember I was telling him that my side hurt, and he goes, "Dude, it's just pain leaving your body. You should feel excited about that." And I never <laughs> looked at it. It's just a different way of looking at it. It's a different perception, right? So if you look at, for example. If you're on a 50 mile, you know, say you're doing a 50 mile run and you have 20 to go and you're in massive amount of pain, it's only temporary. If you think about it, if you think about it, it can end right there and you can quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can wait 20 more miles and then suffer and let the pain, you know, and it'll go away 20 miles away from here. But it, eventually, eventually the pain goes away. So for me, my mindset is this it's more painful for me to quit than it is to finish that race. So true. Yeah. The physical pain doesn't matter. It's the quitting that kills me. Of course, yeah, bro. Of course. Quick story. Oh, David Goggins. Oh, go ahead. David Goggins. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I want to. No, go ahead. David Goggins is doing, was doing the Tahoe 200, the one I did this weekend. I'm sorry. The Moab 240. And he got to a point where he had edema. Um, pole, no, a demon in the head. In the, I forgot the name of the. Anyway, he had a um, high elevation sickness. Elevation sickness. Oh, wow. And he, he, had, he actually had to pull out at mile. 200 or 214 or something like that and he asked the, he asked him hey can i just go to the hospital this is this is like two days ago literally wow goes, can i go to the can i go to the hospital get treated and come back and i'll start from here and i'll finish and the race director said no you know you get disqualified if you do that and he understood so he went to the hospital got treated came back he posted a video today and he said that he's going to start where he stopped and he's going to finish the race why because for him it's so painful for him not to finish this race, it's so painful for him to say, I quit, than right. it is to go through the pain that he's going to suffer for the next 60 mm-hmm. miles. Yep. And that's how I feel. Yeah, it's pain so is temporary. That. The problem is that we don't, a lot of us don't want to get to the point of feeling that pain. We don't want to get to the point where it hurts. It's scary to think, to have the thought of, man, this is going to hurt really bad. People, they don't even, they don't even get to that point because they're so wow. scared to get to that point. I just go. I figure it out as I go. Yeah. I mean, that's what I do. I, I just don't even think sometimes. I'm like, you can't think about I mean, it. You sometimes go for it. Sometimes I'm deep in these pains and I'm like, holy shit, I can't even believe I'm here. And I want to quit just like everybody else. But I'm already too deep into it. So I'm like, shit, I'm already here. I might as well just keep going. Yeah. That's what I do. It's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, not that I'm harder than anybody else because I'm not. It's just that I just don't want to quit. I think that's, that's the key. I don't want to quit. So that's what yeah. keeps pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. Yeah, I, I saw one of like I forget what the what the quote was, but it was like um like pain weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. Something yeah. something like that. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. That's deep. That's deep I right like there, that. man. Ooh, I like that. Let me yes. ask you th- let me ask yes. you this because um as an endurance athlete, you know, do you do or any type of lifting for injury prevention um or anything like that to support, you know, the endurance training? Right. Good question. So yes, what I what I started doing the last couple of years is I'm doing obviously lightweight, but like for my back, my lower back, yeah, my hamstrings, my calves, like the backside of my body, right? Right. Um, yeah, my posterior. Right. I do a lot of the lower back. I do a lot of uh, the 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 hamstrings and uh, so like the calves, deadlifts, exactly, and exa- anything in the back. Because what I noticed is that as time went on, I used to get fatigued in my lower back. 
And what happens is if I can't keep up straight, if I can't keep my body upright, then that's where I lose time, energy, and then I'm struggling with that. In addition to the mileage, I'm struggling with the lower back pain. And I figured out if I can just prevent that from the beginning, then I don't have to worry about that. It'll take me longer to worry about it. As opposed to maybe on a 50-mile race, it takes at mile 25, I'm hurting. Maybe I start hurting at mile 45. And then I only have five more miles to go and I'm done. So <laughs> that's what I started figuring. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's really that simple, man. It's not nothing, nothing. It's not complicated. It's not. If, you're, yeah, it's not. if your back starts hurting at mile 20, it's because you have a lower, if you have weak back, you have weak abs, you're, you're, yeah. you're, something's wrong. Something's a weakness somewhere. So if I can figure out how I can strain that weakness, it's that simple. It's not that freaking complicated. You don't need all these theories. And, and I know, Danny, that you love that data and you know all <laughs> that stuff. But man, I try to make it as simple as possible. That's, that's, that's what I do. That's perfect, bro. That is perfect. That's, That's it doesn't perfect. take more than that, man. No. All right. Here's here's a tough one because I we haven't spoken about this, um, but I, I I wanted to include it because of course we're the Fat Field Family Podcast. That's right. Um, so we wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about you know you're not with your daughters all the time, but like how do mm-hmm. you approach nutrition with them? Man, I have to be if I if I'm I have to be of integrity. Sometimes I don't. Well, my older daughter, because I see her less, I, I try, you know, she's 12 years old and yeah, she's, uh, older. she's older and she, Different. you have to be really careful the things you say or don't say, because in the past I've known to, to offend people because, you know, I'm like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And, and I just don't want to do that with my daughters because I've done it to people, people have done it to me. So when my older daughter, I just kind of like, you know, just talk to her and find out what she's eating, what she's not eating. And I always say, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And she knows, she knows between good and bad. So with her, it's a little bit different because I, you know, I let her kind of decide on her own. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I ask her if she knows what's going on, what she's eating, what she's not eating. Um, sorry about that noise. No, you're no, eating, not, not eating. And, and we're, you know, we, that communication is there. And I, what I don't want to have is complete shut off. Cut me off. Like, nope, I'm not going to talk about it. So, you know, sometimes, hey, well, I have, what have you been eating? I eat this, I eat that. And I, I just let her know, hey, remember, you know, too much sugar is not good for you. Um, be careful with it because it could be this, this, and that. She knows what I'm about. She knows that I run. She knows that I'm always out there. She understands it because she sees me. So she gets it. My six-year-old daughter, it's a little different. Yeah. Of course, we, the same thing with us, with, with Dean, it's a little bit different. Yeah, with the little one, when I'm with her, we don't eat no junk. She doesn't eat no soda. Um, I try to be conscious of, of the grains with her. Yeah. But again, it's, it's hard because I only have her on the weekends. And if I just start shoving, like she loves meat. She loves meat. She loves steak. She loves chicken. But she also, she's also Dominican and Puerto Rican like her daddy. She loves <laughs> rice and she loves beans. Man, that little girl <laughs> loves rice and beans. So it's really hard for me to <laughs> take that away from her. But I limit it. I limit the amount of rice that she has. Like I don't, like I won't, very rare do I buy her cereal. Very rare yeah. do I give her candy. Very rare do I'm buying her any kind of like, you know, name the junk foods, the Doritos, the churros, the, like that stuff. It just doesn't. Since she's not used to eating it, it doesn't make a difference. She doesn't. She doesn't know she's missing it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, that, that's the that's the thing with my little daughter. So she's she's good. You know, she's she understands it, and she she doesn't. She's not like a McDonald's person because she's not. She used to be, but she's really not no more. Like French fries, she doesn't crave that. Um, she doesn't crave soda. She'll drink water. She'll drink vegetables. She'll eat vegetables. One thing about my little one, she'll eat anything. 
She doesn't care. She'll That's try. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so great. So everything except green stuff. Like she's like, oh, I don't like that green thing. Why? Because it's green, daddy. I, I get it, but why? So I'm like, eh, yeah, I don't force it down her throat. Yeah. So with her. And then I've taken her hiking. I've taken them both of them hiking. My little one, I take her hiking all I the time. I love that. With her. I love it. And, and she loves to, uh, she just did a couple 5Ks in the last uh, two months. Oh, uh, that's awesome, bro. Her. Yeah, so did, she did a 5K with her mom, two of them. So she's, yeah, she loves that stuff. She she loves the metal. She's like, hey, look, I got her, like, I have a metal like you. So she does really enjoy that stuff. And I and I, I love it. I love the fact that, and my older daughter, too, I took her a few times, too, but she's, she's, she's so far from me, it's a little bit more difficult. But my older daughter loves doing that kind of stuff, too, as well. I love that, bro. That's yeah, so yeah. good, man. That's so be good. the example. Be the example, right? Yeah, that's more important exactly. than anything you tell them or anything. It's just being the example. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, with my daughters, I, you know, I, I adore my daughters and they're just awesome to be around. And, you know, it's difficult because as a single parent, and I'm sure people on, the, on this podcast can relate, it, it's hard, you know, hard balancing, you know, the ex with the child and the, you know, and, and what you're doing and not doing and how often you see them and not see them. You know, you guys are not going through it, thank God, but it's, it's a difficult situation to maneuver, yeah, it is. right? It is. And, you know, yeah, school's involved. Everything, yeah. yeah, school's involved. Sports are involved. Nutrition's involved. Clothing's involved. Waking up, when you pick them up, when you drop them off. It's so much. The training gets interrupted. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about coaching. Do you offer coaching? And if so... What type of yes. coach do you offer for anyone who's mm-hmm. interested? Yeah, definitely. So I definitely do coaching. What I do is I do like a monthly uh, running plan if anybody's interested in ongoing. And, but what I, lo- what I love to do usually is before I even do that, I, I would not do that unless I do some kind of cons- consult with them. So mm-hmm. what I do is I'll do like a 30 minute for like $60 and then do an hour for a hundred bucks. And they can ask me a thousand questions there. Right. And after that point, they feel like going on and doing a weekly, a monthly plan. Then I will definitely coach them. I will coach them on the weekly plan. Um, but I would not do a week. I would not do, I'm sorry, a monthly plan. But I prefer not to do a monthly plan unless I sit down and talk to them first because I want to know what they're about, what they're doing, why they're doing it, what have they been doing, what's their goal, right? They're, for me, the, the biggest thing is what is it you really want to do? Why are you running? Right. Why are you running is so important, right? Why are you running 100 miles? Why are you going to run your house? Why do you want to run a marathon? Why do you want to run a 5K, right? What's going That's on so in your life? That's so important, man. So important. How's your eating habits? Are you drinking water? Do you work? Does your wife run? Does she eat with, I mean, there's so many things. Do your kids are involved? There's so many things. So I, I like to find out what's going on. And then from that point forward, we can do a plan. And that's what I do. I love it, man. That's that's Simple. perfect, bro. Okay. That's perfect. Especially for people who are trying to get into endurance and they want mm-hmm. someone who knows how to do it with keto. Um, yes. I mean, Carlos is my guy. I mean, I stand behind you, bro. I love yeah. everything that you do, everything that you've proven. Thank you, man. Thank you. And you know what's so important, Danny, is the you. I, let me mention this. Endurance with keto is so difficult, man. And again, I'm not saying I'm the master because I'm not. Yeah. But it takes time to figure out your body. It takes time to, to master the, the the times that you eat, what to eat, not to eat, when to eat. I mean, there's so many things going on. Yeah. So the keto, when having somebody who's been there and done it and suffered through it, it's important. It's important that you have somebody. And if it's not me, hey, by all means, but find somebody who's been there and suffered through it. And um, that way you get you get you get hands on training, right? People who've actually been in it, who've actually told the line and have suffered through it and have have got inside knowledge of what's going on. I think that that's the key. Just like if I want to gain weight while I'm on a keto diet, you're the person to go to. Why? Because you have all the data. Yeah. You've done it. You've been there. You've tested everything. And, so and when someone does it though, like they, they'll learn from someone like you or someone like me, maybe that, it takes a right. few months and then, then they, they run with it. 
yeah, you know, you don't have to stay with me for the rest of your, you know, running career. I mean, I, it would be great. But even if, if you wanted to stay a year, I don't even think I would keep you that long. I would just train you for a particular race and then you go and then you figure it on your own. If you have questions later on, you call me. But but I think it's important to get that. Not, I believe in coaching. 100%. Yeah, I, I do too, man. I 100%. Totally I need to say that because um, as a matter of fact, I'm thinking about getting a coach for myself for a race that I want to do because the guy who's going to coach me is a, is a, is a monster. And why not learn from the best? Yeah, of so, course. Um, I believe in coaching too. So I, I, I know what it's about. I paid, I paid thousands and thousands of dollars for all types of coaching in my life. So I'm a very coachable person and I believe in coaching. So when I'm saying get coaching, if it's for me, for somebody else, I truly, truly 100% believe in it. Yeah, I agree. I agree, bro. Well, bro, so, this, this has been an amazing conversation, bro. Where can people find out more about you and, and follow what you're up to? So yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm at um, Ultra Carlos Diaz and David. That's that's the the main place you can find me. Or Facebook under uh, Carlos Donas and Twitter Carlos Donas. Again, I'm on those. I'm on those three platforms. Or you can. I would just if you, if they want information, they can just DM me at any of those platforms, and I'm always available to answer questions. And if people have basic questions, like in the past, any people have called. Um, emailed me or they sent me messages and I've been able to answer basic questions for them because I know a lot of people have questions and you know there may be people who have never ran a marathon and they have a thousand questions and they think that um, that um, the question they have is stupid it's not stupid <laughs> no. any question is, is give me any question now and I'll uh, and I'll answer it for you because I had those same questions when I first started I agree and and on top of that you know going to coaching like ask questions to your coach too because mm -hmm. you know that that's number one where you learn and number mm -hmm. two you want to you want to be able to have a coach that that can kind of explain the rationale behind what they're doing yeah I'll give it a quick, a quick example I know you have to go so when I did my first my my that 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 granted land um yeah i did the training i did all that stuff and i and i and i bought the gear it took me a while but you know what was what was another part that that is overlooked is is packing food how do you properly pack you know seventeen thousand calories in your mm -hmm. backpack it sounds simple but yeah. man there's so many tricks to it like for example taking the food out of the bag and putting it in other bags taping it up marking it using specific ziploc bags putting it this one in your bag putting it that way that yeah. took me that took me a month to figure out testing it. How could it fit on my backpack? Imagine if I had somebody who said, this is what you do. Boom, 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 boom. You're done yeah. in an hour. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. it's, it's a no brainer to me. It's true. Man, dude, just, just, just layering, just knowing how to layer the days. For example, seven days, you layer one on top of the other and you don't even have to look at the other back, the other, the other pouches of food. You just grab one and you go. I mean, just that alone makes such a difference, man. So just, I'm just thinking about things that, that I learned on my own where I had to basically reinvent the wheel when I had no one to ask questions to. And I'm thinking, man, this, that's valuable information, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. just, that's just an example of what coaching could do for someone. Totally agree, bro. Thank yeah. you so mm -hmm. much, man. You're the man, bro. You're you know, we love you. Oh, thank you guys. No, oh, I love you guys So much too, for coming man. on. Hey man, thank you for everything. You guys are doing some amazing things for, for the for the keto community, man. You guys, honestly, you guys are changing the world. Well, that's, thank you so that's much. That's the goal. It. That's the goal, man. Yeah, that's that's right, goal. man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'll let you guys go, man. Love you. And you guys take care. Love you too, brother. Take care. All right, guys. Bye bye. Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,